God, we have come to learn from the wisdom of the Magi, to learn that the life of faith is so often a quest in the midst of uncertainty, a hope in the midst of disappointment, a longing in the midst of dis-ease, courage in the midst of threat. We would seek the wisdom of the Magi to be enthralled by light that shines in the darkness, to be inspired by the promise of the ages come to life, to be encouraged to imagine life by another way. God, teach us the wisdom of the Magi that we might learn perseverance in a world that demands convenience, that we might dream in a world that settles for cynicism, that we might be willing to have our lives reoriented and redirected by the ways you come into this world. God, we pray to live the wisdom of the Magi, who know that the glitz of Caesar's palace does not hold a candle to the soft light of the manger, who trust that the gift of God comes not in cold, hard certainties, but in the word made warm flesh, who risk giving the very best of themselves in service and in love to the one God gives for the world. God, for the gift of the Magi, we give you thanks. For in their quest and in their gifts, they teach us how and to whom we are to pay homage. For we pray in the spirit of the Christ child, born and revealed to all the world, and who in love teaches us to pray as one, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power the glory forever. Amen.
scripture this morning comes from Matthew. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it was written by the prophet, and you Bethlehem in the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then opening their treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road.
It is the time of year when news media and entertainment shows offer a retrospective on the most important events of the past 12 months. It is standard fare for the last week of the year. However, one of the retrospectives solicited was the saddest of any year-end question ever asked. Which year was worse? 2020 or 2021? To be sure, there has been much to lament. The ongoing pandemic, and the associated frustrations that continues that it because it continues to be ongoing the stubborn inequities that exist not only racially but economically the increasing divisions of people into seemingly irreconcilable camps the abhorrent historic behavior by those in power including those in the church who have been complicit in caring more about protecting the institutions they serve than serving the people for whom the institutions exist. The Orwellian use of language proclaiming lies as facts and facts as suspect. The challenges of living on this earth so generously given by God and so callously disregarded by those to whom it's been entrusted. Which year's been worse, 2020 or 2021? And King Herod sits on his throne and flashes his guttural laugh through his yellow teeth and says, which year has been worse? Don't you mean which year has been better? I've never had a more gratifying two years. It's all going just as I want. We recognize, however, that that list tells only part of the story. While the pandemic surges on, how many men and women have dedicated their lives to research, to direct care, to sacrificial compassion, and to public health? While racism rages far too often, how many people are seeking to come to grips with what has been in order to create a healing path for the years to come. While people are plagued by easy divisions, how many others are seeking to build a community and find common ground? While institutions have too often defaulted into self-protection or inertia, how many more, including the church, are working to reform and redeem the hurt while offering courageous care to those who have been so profoundly impacted by these last two years? While cheap rhetoric is the easy option, how many more are committing themselves to the hard work of truth spoken in love? While creation itself groans as the Apostle Paul once described it, how many are thinking beyond the present moment to care for the generations to come? Now, to be sure, King Herod sits on his throne, one leg dangling off to the side, dismissing with a wave of the hand 
all the good that has been and can be done. But Herod's claim to supremacy is, at least according to Matthew, not ultimate. Given all the evidence, how can we say that? Well, because the Gospel of Matthew offers a different question to ponder, not which year has been worse, 2020 or 2021. Instead, Matthew asks, where is the child who has been born King of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. That's the question asked by the Magi, wise men, sages, kings, as they have been variously described. And it is a remarkable life-shaping inquiry because it is the kind of question that can take a person, a people, a nation, a world, somewhere they have never been before. So as the new year begins, two questions are being asked, and we ponder which one to pursue. Of course we know it's not just the Magi who have been on the move. We remember the larger story, and we realize we have been on the move for the last five weeks. Go back to November 28th, which seems like about three months ago, not five weeks ago. It was the first Sunday of Advent, and that's the Sunday that the church in its wisdom marks as the beginning of the new year. Recall the announcement from that day? Something's coming. Something is about to be different, say the prophets. Advent means coming, and the promise of Advent, as Frederick Buechner writes, is that what is coming is an unimaginable invasion, a close encounter, not of the third kind, but of a different kind altogether, an invasion of holiness. That's what Advent is about. What we are being told while Herod sits ensconced on the throne, confident that his power is ultimate, is that something, someone, God, is on the move. And that divine stirring sets in motion all kinds of people and all kinds of events. Every character, in fact, every thing, in the Christmas drama is on the move. Isaiah said it first, every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. The wolf shall live with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the kid and a little child shall lead them. Everybody's on the move. Zechariah moves, Elizabeth moves, Elizabeth's womb leaps, Mary moves, Joseph moves, angels move, shepherds move, everyone is moving except for Herod, who refuses to move. But it's the journey of the Magi 
that seems to have found the collective imaginations as much as any of the Christmas characters in their stories. Poets have written of them. Longfellow gave them names. Artists have painted both their journey and their adoration. And popular musicians like Sarah McLaughlin joined forces with a group whose name is too embarrassing to say from the pulpit to sing one of the most haunting and beautiful renditions combining God rest you merry gentlemen and we three kings. The Magi have an appeal. They are these intrepid, slightly bizarre journeyers out there in the wilds, silhouetted against a star illuminating the night sky, dressed in regal garments, bearing extravagant gifts, who, as Laurel Matthewson writes, consort with the powerful and are rebellious and independent-minded enough not to be beholden to them. They do appeal to that independent streak in us. And after two years of being mostly confined by a pandemic, who doesn't want to take a trip somewhere, anywhere? But this story taps into something so much deeper than wonderlust and liberation. And it's that simple pencil line drawing on the bulletin cover that reminds us of what it is. The Magi are pointing their lives to something beyond them that is calling them. God's light, shining, beckoning, inviting. Meanwhile, Back at the palace, Herod is insisting that all the good lighting has to be directed exactly at him. On the grand stage of human history and in the news of the day, Matthew is offering editorial commentary. Matthew readily admits there are problems. Keith Watkins writes it this way, God, we confess that ours is still a world in which Herod seems to rule. The powerful are revered, the visions of the wise are ignored, the poor are afflicted, the innocent are killed. You show us that salvation comes in the vulnerability of a child. Yet we hunger for the security of weapons and walls. You teach us that freedom comes in loving service, yet we trample on others in our efforts to be free. Forgive us, God, when we look to the palace instead of the stable, when we heed politicians more than prophets. Renew us with the spirit of Bethlehem that we may be better prepared for your coming. And to tell this story, Matthew employs the Magi, who are at one and the same time divine visionaries and blind as bats, which makes them so easy to identify with. 
because it's hard to look at them without seeing something of ourselves as well. After all, remember, these are the supposed wise men who go to the sitting king to ask who will be replacing him on the throne. It's testimony to how tight the grip of power and convention can be. And it leads people to believe that nothing much can really ever be different. But the gift of this story, the gift of the Magi, is that Matthew is doing more than editorial commentary. Matthew is also offering theological, faithful commentary, telling us that even though Herod hogs all the light, which casts shadows on everything else, there is more light than what Herod knows. Light that casts a shadow on Herod. Dom Helder Kamara writes it this way. In the middle of the night, when stark night was darkest, then you chose to come. God's resplendent firstborn sent to make us one. Now, the voice of doom protests. All these words about justice, love, and peace, all these naive words will buckle beneath the weight of a reality which is brutal and bitter, ever more bitter. It's true, Lord. It is midnight upon the earth, moonless night, starved of stars. But can we forget that you, the Son of God, chose to be born precisely at midnight. Here is the delightful truth that Matthew so brilliantly reveals in this story. For all his inflated arrogance, Herod at some level knows he is a lie. Now, he might have so convinced himself of his importance that he has mistaken himself for God. But did we notice? All it takes for his idolatry to melt away is for some weird strangers to let him know a baby has been born. And Matthew says, Herod was afraid. So in an effort to keep power, he decided to whip up all Jerusalem into a fearful frenzy. Yes, there is no shortage of ways to manipulate the masses with fear. Fear that creates imaginary scenarios that mock the truth. Fears that tap into insecurities that people experience. Fears that raise adversaries to be dehumanized and objectified. Fears that construct artificial barriers of difference. Fears that lead to an almost unlimited supply of isms and ideologies. Now, are there realities to be feared? Of course there are, but Herod is not interested in any of that. 
The story reveals that Herod's way of fear leads to one outcome, annihilation, destruction, and ironically and ultimately his own demise. Contra to Herod and to the despicable way of his rule, be afraid, be very afraid. The quest that is Christmas proclaims another way of being. Remember what the angel said? Fear not. Fear not. The Magi teach us to value not the one who sits on the throne, but the one who rests in a manger. To be sure, Herod's way of ruling and the Magi's way of living cannot be neatly segregated by people or nations. Living within each of us is the struggle between these two ways. But Matthew wants us to know that because God has moved into this world, we can live by another way. In his Christmas poem, Jim Strathy writes, When the song of the angels is stilled, when the star in the sky is gone, when the magi and the shepherds have found their way home, then the work of Christmas begins to find the lost and lonely one, to heal the broken soul with love, to feed the hungry children with warmth and good food, to feel the earth below and the sky above, to free the prisoner from all chains, to make the powerful care, to rebuild the nations with strength of goodwill, to see God's children everywhere, to bring hope to every task you do, to dance at a baby's new birth, to make music in an old person's heart, and to sing the colors of the earth. Twelve ways, one for each day of Christmas. Of course we know this is no easy calling, which is why 2,000 years ago Matthew told us about the gift of the Magi. Where is the child? who has been born king of the Jews. For we have observed his star at its rising, and we have come to pay him homage. It is the kind of question that can lead us to live well, and to live well beyond King Herod's time.